Hello again, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Talking Smack. I am your host, Josh Scar, and I am flying solo tonight, today, whenever you're actually listening to this. Uh, Due to unforeseen circumstances, I was unable to procure a co-host, so this is going to be a very truncated episode where I'm mostly just going to talk news because my topics that I have in the filing cabinet are not very interesting when there's just one person and no real back and forth. So as a means to kind of keep things entertaining as well as I'm just going to talk about the news for this week because there's a lot of news that happened this week and it bears discussion and even though I will only be discussing it with myself I still feel like it's stuff that should be talked about. So I'm going to start off with the most recent news as of the recording of this episode, which is that the Saban Corporation, uh, Haim Saban, who owns the Power Rangers TV shows, uh, the proper, he owns the property of the Power Rangers, did not renew the movie logo, which seems to be kind of a, a final nail in the coffin for the hopes of a sequel of getting, getting a Power Rangers 2, where we see Tommy come into the fold and uh, just kind of seeing what happens with that universe. I thought the, first, the this year's Power Rangers movie was fine, uh, very well acted. It just, once they got to the Power Rangers stuff, they really didn't know what they wanted to be. Uh, they wanted to embrace the campiness while also being real, uh, like grounded, sort of like the DC movies. The The problem was that it played it too safe, I think. They, they did take some chances by making Billy uh, on the spectrum. They also made Trini, um, who they pronounced the name Trini in, in the movie, which I thought was kind of weird, but whatever, artistic license. Making Trini a, an LGBTQ representative, which, which again, was, was great. It was, it was interesting, and it was a change of pace for the characters. Uh, they just There's a lot of stuff that was just cut from the movie that would have added context, and there are certain things that you could have taken out, such as the, the bull joke, at the very beginning of the movie. Um, but there, there's a lot of stuff that they did really well too. Brian Cranston as Zordon, I felt, was very underdeveloped. You didn't really get his change of heart other than the fact that, oh, Billy died. The world needs him more than they need me, apparently. Uh, I, I didn't really get it, but it, it, it made a nice character development moment that felt kind of forced. So it was a very two-sided coin. It just... It didn't make a lot of sense, and it it just didn't flow very well. The Zords looked really weird, but they still were kind of cool at the same time. I think the biggest detriment to the movie, though, was once they got to the Zords, they really embraced the Power Rangers' essence of everything. When they got to the Megazord, that's where thing, the thing literally just slowed down, and it it was a huge problem for the, the rest of the movie as far as the climax of the movie. Uh, we didn't see the the Megazord come together. Uh, we just saw them like falling into a pit, and then they come out, and they're the Megazord. And Rita just goes, "It that's impossible." But she was a ranger; she should know it's not impossible, uh, unless it's the first time they've ever done that, which is kind of a weird thing to have revealed. Anyway, the the movie was fine. It it wasn't the best movie ever. It wasn't the worst movie ever. Uh, I know there were a lot of people that did enjoy it because it did do a lot of homaging while also being new. I thought it was fine. There, there's not much more to say about it. I, I just think it, it didn't take enough risks in being its own thing, and it didn't embrace enough of the Power Rangers stuff. It tried too hard to avoid the, the tropes of an origin movie. And there, again, there were some really cool moments. I, I love the moment with Kimberly and Trini 
in the the cafe where they're doing this cool little kung fu fighting thing over a, a croissant or something. Uh, that that part was really cool. I enjoyed it a lot, but it, it it just there wasn't enough good stuff to outweigh the mediocre stuff. And I think that's part of where uh, the sequel is now going to fall through. Which again, if we get a sequel, I'll be very excited. I think they'll learn from their mistakes with this first movie. It'll just be a matter of if we actually get it, which at this point it doesn't seem like we will. In other news, we have Star Trek Discovery, which is exclusive to CBS's streaming service, which has been renewed for a second season. I have not seen any of this show, so I don't have a lot of input, but I've been hearing good things. I know it's got good scores on Rotten Tomatoes. So it's always good to have more Star Trek, especially in a a world where we're getting a new Star Wars movie every year. So uh, it's always nice to have that balance of Star Trek in there as well. And I'm not a Trekkie. I'm not balanced one way or the other. I just enjoy all things nerd. And again, I can't, I can't say enough about having good nerd stuff on TV that people are enjoying and embracing. Probably the oldest news of the week, Ron Howard revealed the title of the Han Solo solo Star Wars movie. And it is being called solo a star wars story why it's being called just solo i don't really know it doesn't seem like it would be that far of a stretch or that hard of a process to call it han solo a star wars story but i'm not the creative one and i'm not the one getting paid to make these decisions for the star wars universe i i guess it's just it's an easier title than how han made the kessel run in less than 12 parsecs or how han won the millennium falcon from lando calrissian also starring Lando Calrissian. So, I don't know. It's it's a fine title. The movie's going to be fine, I assume. It's a Star Wars movie, but there's always... As long as it's okay, it's it's always good. Um, it, as long as it's not as bad as the prequels, that's the only thing that matters, really. But I, I discussed this with Alex uh, last week, I believe. No, two weeks ago. Where I believe these, these Star Wars movies that are coming out are... They're uh, plot hole fixers. So we know Han made the castle run in less than 12 parsecs. And when the original Star Wars came out, no one knew what a parsec was. So everyone just immediately inferred that it was a measure of distance, which I believe... Oh, no, it was a measurement of time, which it's actually a measurement of distance. So how you run a race or some kind of... Uh, I don't. I don't even know what else it would be besides a race. How you run a race in a smaller amount of distance, or a better amount of distance? It, who knows? Uh, I, but again, I, I think these these us uh, Star Wars stories are uh, plot hole fixers because that's basically what we got with Rogue One. While it was an entertaining movie and it the the third act was really really gripping, uh, it basically just served to fill the plot hole of why does the Death Star have this very one minor and specific port that can cause an entire chain reaction to destroy the entire base. So I, th- I think that's kind of what we're getting into with these movies. I don't think it's the best premise to go through, but as long as they're getting entertaining movies and it's answering questions that people have, I don't care. I'll, I'll gladly watch these movies and buy them and dig deeper into this universe. Moving on to... Less enthusiastic news, the Sony Venom solo picture has begun production, and I I cannot be less enthused about this movie. We've discussed this a few times. The movie is coming out in less than a year, and they've just begun production. Uh, I'm assuming it's going to be very heavily CG, and 
they're probably already working on the CG stuff in the background, and they're just doing a lot of the live action stuff, and that'll be done in a matter of weeks, if not maybe a couple months. I, just, I think it's just a giant mess of a, of a picture. It's being put together so quickly and so hastily. Tom Hardy as Venom is fine, especially in a, a movie where you're not going to have Spider-Man. But if you're having a Venom origin movie without Spider-Man, it doesn't make sense. Especially if the, the rumors are true and we're introducing Carnage as well. For those of you that don't know, Carnage is essentially the offspring of Venom. The symbiote basically has a discharge, <laughs> uh, to put it nicely, uh, where it, it just it breeds uh, asexually the next generation of symbiote, and Carn- the Carnage symbiote bonds with Cletus Cassidy, who is an insane uh, serial killer. He bonds with his symbiote so perfectly that, if you're familiar with it, Venom says we whenever he's bonded with someone and it, the bond is taking they they start saying we because it is venom it is the the symbiote and the host where cletus cassidy and the carnage symbiote are bonded so perfectly they say i because they they perceive themselves as one entity it is an interesting foil to venom because again you're going to have someone who is in complete sync with their symbiote compared to someone who is working with as more of a partner It'll make for an interesting fight, but we've seen these sort of things before. Uh, Iron Man versus the Iron Monger, Iron Man versus uh, Mickey Rourke's character that was a, a mix between Whiplash and uh, the Crimson Dynamo, Doctor Strange versus, um, uh, oh geez, what was Kaleidoscope Eye's name? Uh, I haven't seen Doctor Strange in so long, I can't remember, but Doctor Strange versus um, Mads Mikkelsen's character. I can't remember his name now. Um, it starts with a Caecilius. That's what it was. I knew it. Um, I did not look that up for the record. I, I am, uh, <laughs> I'm just running on fumes right now, but I wanted to get this podcast done. Uh, but yeah, Dr. Strange versus Caecilius. Again, they're kind of mirrored images of each other. Uh, Captain America and the Winter Soldier, Captain America and the Red Skull. It, it, the list goes on with Marvel movies, the Hulk and the Abomination, uh, it just seems like that's kind of the trope. Oh, especially Logan, um, which is something we'll get into later in the year. Uh, but Logan was uh, a huge sin on that one, fighting a mir- literal mirror image of yourself. Again, I, I don't necessarily think it'll be interesting unless the script is done well enough to to really flesh out uh, Cletus Cassidy and his Carnage symbiote as well as uh, Eddie Brock's uh, Venom partnership. So I, I don't I don't even want to say it'll be interesting or it'll be fun. I have no hope for this movie. I'll I'll see it begrudgingly, only so I can rip it because I, I feel like it's gonna be so bad. It might even be the worst movie of 2018. We'll we'll end up finding out one way or another. It, the ver- the close second will probably be the Bumblebee movie, which I believe is releasing the same week or within a matter of weeks with uh with the Han Solo movie or Solo a Star Wars story. And I'm sorry we just discussed that. We'll see. I I just have no hope for that movie, especially uh, I believe Avi Arad is attached to it as a producer, and we know what he's done with the Spider-Man franchise. So it's it's just blah. We're we're moving on to a new subject, which again going with blah. Uh, the Justice League movie has been confirmed as being 121 minutes long. For those of you that don't do math, it is two hours and one minute long. I believe that is including credits, which credits tend to take anywhere between eight and 12 minutes. So you're basically dealing with about a 150 minute Justice League origin story movie. 
which is fine. It doesn't have to be. To me, it sounds like Joss Whedon and Jeff Johns and whoever else is uh, making decisions on this story now that Zack Snyder is no longer there. It sounds like they basically just gut all of the fluff and are strictly dealing with the origin of the Justice League, maybe some Flash stuff because uh, the Flash is the point of view character. So he he has to be fleshed out a little bit. They've already confirmed that they've cut out Billy Crudup as... Uh, Barry Allen's father who is in prison so there's some backstory that's going to need to be filled in or just completely ignored my fear is that it's going to feel disjointed and there's going to be some comments and some dialogue that you're just going to be sitting there thinking uh what does that mean and it'll be just it'll just end up in the the director's cut that they might release uh in March or April whenever the movie actually is released on uh digital and blu-ray and 4k and whatever else they come out with nowadays I just, I don't know. Two hours is fine for a solo movie. It's easily the shortest DC uh, movie that they've done. Uh, Batman versus Superman was like two hours and 40 minutes. Justice League, or Justice League, Suicide Squad was, uh, I think, the, the shortest at that time at about two hours and 10 minutes, I believe. And then Wonder Woman was about two hours and 20 minutes. And then Man of Steel, Man of Steel, I think, was around two hours and 20 minutes as well. So cutting 20 minutes out of the movie, we'll see what Joss Whedon and everyone has in, in mind as far as what creates a cohesive story. Uh, as long as they just don't turn the ending into fighting a bunch of faceless grunts and defeating the bad guy by not even throwing a punch at him. I don't know. It, it just the, the end fight feels like it, it just ends up having to be Avengers every time. And I hope that's not the case. We'll find out in a couple of weeks when Justice League comes out. In other DC news, the Raid director, Gareth Garrett Evans, is in talks to direct a Deathstroke movie, which, for those of you that have been keeping tabs on the DCEU movie announcements, that wasn't announced at San Diego Comic-Con, and Deathstroke was supposed to be the villain in Ben Affleck's The Batman movie. Now with Matt, uh, Matt Reeves on the project and uh, doing some script doctoring and rewriting the script from page one. Uh, I think Deathstroke has been removed, but they are keeping Joe Manganiello as Deathstroke from reports. Uh, I don't think this movie has a lot of, I, I, this just sounds more like DC announcing another movie to get the fanboys hyped. They've announced, I think somewhere between 12 and 18 movies and almost none of them have any real productions uh, pre-production or anything started they're just like we're doing a Batgirl movie with Joss Whedon uh, we're doing a Nightwing movie with this guy we're doing a Shazam movie which I'll talk about in a second uh, we're doing uh, Flashpoint we're doing this and Flashpoint is a complete mess because uh, DC is one already rebooting their universe and two they can't find a director that will stay on for the project to make the project that they want so there's there's a, a huge mess going on with the Flash movie alone. James Wan seems to be doing pretty well with the Aquaman movie, which just wrapped. Uh, so that that is on on pace to be released this coming summer in 2018. Uh, a Deathstroke movie just I don't know how you put a 75 million to 100 million dollar uh, budget into a movie for a character that I don't think a lot of people in the general audience are really dying to see i mean suicide squad was a a fairly big anomaly i think i think people were just really curious to see how harley quinn was translated to the big screen where i don't think the the again the general audience really cares too much about deathstroke or they even know who he is 
that that might be the, the big thing to keep an eye on is how do how do they how does Warner Brothers in DC get Deathstroke into the public eye, sort of like how Harley Quinn has been. But Harley Quinn's been a big part of the public perception because uh, she was in uh, all three Arkham games. She she was an immediate sensation from the time she showed up on Batman the Animated Series. Deathstroke has only really ever been in Teen Titans. He had a small spot in Young Justice Season 2. Uh, he has shown up in a couple of video games. I know he was in Arkham Origins. But he, he hasn't been a huge part of DC's public productions in any medium other than the comics. And it's it's just going to... It's going to be interesting to see how they they really push him into the public eye to try and draw up interest for this movie. And then rounding out our DC News segment, the director of Shazam, who I'm blanking on right now and I haven't looked up his name again, so I apologize for not having it ready. Uh, the director of Shazam has confirmed that the movie is on pace to meet its, uh, its release date of April 5th, 2019. For those of you who don't know who Shazam is, Shazam among other things, used to be known as Captain Marvel. And when DC rebranded their comic line with the new 52, they changed Captain Marvel's name to Shazam to remove any kind of confusion with Marvel's character of Captain Marvel, who has been, the it's more of a title than a character, where Captain Marvel slash Shazam in DC has always been a, a singular character. There have been other characters like Mary Marvel and a few others, but for, by and large, Captain Marvel has always just been Billy Batson. And so uh, when they rebranded him as Shazam personally, I thought that was really weird because that's how he, how Billy Batson uh, becomes his superhero alter ego is he shouts Shazam and lightning strikes him and he becomes this giant Superman-like person. And if his, his, his name is Shazam and he says, oh, by the way, I'm Shazam, technically he should get hit by lightning and become Billy Batson. And he should be murdered on the spot by his villains. So it's it's a, I, I get why they did it to remove confusion with the the Marvel comics character, but it, they could have chosen something a little better than just his word. But I know a lot of people think that that is his name anyway, so they just kind of embraced it. I believe I don't know if The Rock is actually attached to this movie to play Black Adam, which A D A M, uh, the name, not like the molecule. I know they're also talking about doing a Black Adam movie, uh, which again, along the lines of the Deathstroke movie, I don't think there's a lot of general audiences that would line up around the block to to go see this movie. So I, I don't know what exactly DC's getting at with a, a Black Adam solo movie, but uh, if he shows up in Shazam, that, that makes sense. Because again, uh, especially in the context of Shazam, if they do it right, a Black Adam villain and being the mirror opposite of the hero makes sense in that universe because... Uh, Billy Batson isn't really supposed to be Shazam, especially in the new 52 version. He's basically given the the abilities to become Shazam by default. He he finds um, the elder magician. I forget what his actual title is. I think it's actually Merlin. Um, I could be wrong. I don't remember. And again, I'm not fact checking. I'm too tired tonight, but I'm going to go with Merlin. I don't care. Uh, Merlin ha is dying and he has to bestow the the abilities of Shazam slash Captain Marvel onto someone and Billy Batson finds him. And so he, he just takes the abilities and kind of is an asshole with them in the new 52. But that's kind of what they did with the new 52 is it just made all their superheroes assholes. So uh, I know 
Captain Marvel. I loved Captain Marvel in, uh, in Young Justice, and I think he's a fun character if done well. DC has been really hitting on the, the new 52 stuff, even with the new Rebirth uh, comic line coming out. They're really relying on the new 52 stuff for their, um, their source material, uh, for better or for worse. So we'll see what ends up happening. Uh, I think The Rock as a villain works really well. And I, I hope, I, like always, I hope these movies do well, just because, again, we, in my opinion, we can never have too much of these. So hopefully Shazam does well enough that they can continue to build on this DC universe. Hopefully DC stops kind of stepping on their own feet and saying things that they don't mean or saying things that are very confusing for the general audience, like how they're solo movies are not connected to the DCEU or whatever. They're, I guess they technically don't call it the DCEU internally. That was a, a phrase coined by a magazine and people in the internet have just kind of run with it, but they've never actually said this is what we're calling it, sort of what the Marvel Cinematic Universe has done, which is neither here nor there. It's just an interesting little tidbit. Moving on to Marvel news. The Hulk's role in Thor Ragnarok, which next week we will be having a Thor Ragnarok review episode, along with the news segment, which hopefully, again, I will have someone with me. If not, I'll be rambling on about how much I enjoyed Thor, hopefully. But beginning with Thor Ragnarok, uh, we're going to be getting a small B-plot trilogy, what would create an actual Hulk movie, because Universal uh, Studios owns the the distribution rights to the Hulk movies, and they don't want to play nice with Marvel and Disney for some reason. And so Kevin Feige went to Mark Ruffalo and just said, what would it, what would you want to see in a Hulk movie? And Ruffalo said, I'd like to see Gladiator Hulk do something, and I'd like to see this, and I'd like to see that. And Feige was on board, and he's like, okay, we can see if we can't work that into something. So what they're doing is they're making the Hulk kind of a, a primary secondary character, and giving him a, a primary subplot in Thor Ragnarok, Avengers Infinity War, and Avengers 4, which would essentially culminate into a feature-length Hulk film, which again, if it's weaved properly and weaved well within the context of the story, could be really cool. And uh, among other things, Gladiator Hulk looks great in Thor Ragnarok, which from what I'm hearing, it's actually not as big of... Like, I was joking for a long time that Thor Ragnarok was actually Thor, not Planet Hulk, but actually Planet Hulk or World War. Yeah, Planet Hulk. So this is, this, from what I'm hearing, it is still by and large a, a Thor movie, but the Hulk is in it and they're implementing elements of certain Hulk stories into it, which, again, is very cool and it can work very well. In other Avengers 4 news, we still do not have a title, so it is still technically Avengers 4. Hawkeye actor Jeremy Renner has been seen in costume as well as Chadwick Boseman, the Black Panther, and Paul Rudd, Ant-Man. Hawkeye has been seen in uh, a different set of boots, where if you remember his costume in the last few movies... His bottom half has basically just been black or like a navy, very solid, nothing spectacular. Uh, for those of you familiar with the comics, uh, when his character was resurrected from the dead after the House of M event, the character Kate Bishop had taken on the mantle of Hawkeye, and so Clint took on the role of uh, Ronan, a ninja-like character, and uh, his boots were kind of greaved with a, like a gold outline. And the, the set photos that have been uh, taken of him walking around, they look like those boots, which, 
again would make sense because he was on team cap in civil war so he's gonna have to run around in a different run around in a different costume and try not to be recognized so he's he's got a new haircut i'm assuming they're probably going to give him the the special sunglasses that have been in all the promotional stuff but he's never actually worn in the movies and i i believe that he'll i think the the running costume is actually a really cool costume especially if you get rid of the ninja mask uh, if they want to give him the ninja mask, it's fine, but I think it might look a little too much like a Black Panther character. So I, I think they'll just still call him Hawkeye or Clint and just let him have the, the Ronin boots and maybe a little bit of the Ronin outline. And in the final bit of news, Ben Mendelsohn, uh, famously known as Admiral Krennic in Star Rogue One, A Star Wars Story, uh, is in talks to play the villain in Captain Marvel, Marvel's version of Captain Marvel starring Brie Larson. We don't know what he's going to be playing. We don't know if his character will be a scroll. We don't know if his character will be a Kree. As a villain, I'm led to believe that it'll be a scroll, just because they're meant to be, or they've been advertised as the primary villains of the movie. Uh, but I assume the Kree will be involved somehow, and they'll be bad guys as well. So we'll see what happens with that. But Ben Mendelsohn plays a villain really well. Uh, he falls in line with the the whole British trope of uh, if you have an American hero they have to have a British foil for some reason and I mean it also falls into the the line of like oh aliens are British for some reason uh, but I, I like the casting if if he does sign on to play the villain I'm I'm all I'm already on board for Captain Marvel I think Brie Larson as Captain Marvel Carol Danvers is a a great choice I think the the concept art that was leaked from San Diego Comic-Con looks amazing I can't get to this movie soon enough. Brie Larson is actually already filming Avengers, her role in Avengers Four, which is releasing after Captain Marvel. But she'll be really she'll be filming Captain Marvel after she's done filming Avengers Four. So it's a really weird schedule for her because she's already working on a project that's coming out after Captain Marvel, but she hasn't filmed Captain Marvel yet. And so that that's just going to make 2019 uh, all the more better. Again, Captain Marvel I can't get here soon enough. That's that's probably my most anticipated movie of 2019 that that's been announced so far and that's that's above spider-man homecoming 2 and avengers 4 so hopefully fingers crossed brie larson and kevin feige and everyone brings captain marvel makes captain marvel a great movie and uh just does the character justice because right now with the the aftermath of civil war carol is not the most sympathetic character they really tried to to kind of have their cake and eat it too, where Carol was definitely in the wrong during Civil War II. Uh, but at the end of the day, they at the end of the event, um, they made it that Tony wasn't necessarily fighting her because of her views on the reason they were fighting, but because he was afraid of what the person after her would do, which is a complete cop-out. And it, it doesn't justify and it doesn't save what Carol was doing in the first place. Uh, which, if you haven't seen it, Civil War II is essentially Minority Report and an ethics class on can you punish someone before they commit a crime? Can you stop someone before they commit a crime? That sort of thing. Carol is on the side of, yes, we, we can punish them and yes, we can stop it. And Tony's on the side of, we need to be prepared. We need to, to react. We can't, we can't be proactive. We need to react which is very un like but I think they were trying to play up the whole he has learned from the previous Civil War. And again, the Carol's actions in, in the Civil War II event just did not make her sympathetic at all. And it was a, a huge, in my opinion, it was a huge spit in the face to fans. And there are a lot of, there's a lot of people out there that are behind Carol no matter what. 
and those people are fine. They're they're entitled to their opinions, but I, I just feel that they made her very unlikable in that situation. And the 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 idea of proactively seeking out someone before they've done a crime is a very slippery slope. And it just it doesn't make sense to me that among everyone out there that Carol Danvers, Captain Marvel, the character that Marvel is trying to make like their number one character right now, they're trying to push her to the forefront. They're trying to make her their Superman, their Batman. Uh, as close as they can, if not making her their Wonder Woman at the very least, which again is nothing against Wonder Woman. I just, I hope that the movie does well. They have said that they're gonna, they're gonna take cues from Kelly Sue DeConnick's run with the character, which is by far and away one of the better runs of the character. So here's hoping and hashtag Carol Core all the way 2019. I, I can't wait for you to get here. And that's going to wrap up the news, and that's going to wrap up this podcast for this week. Uh, I apologize for those of you that actually enjoy listening to me and whoever I'm I'm working with this uh, in any given week uh, talking about certain things. Uh, I just don't feel like me talking about a certain topic for 90 minutes, or at this point it would be probably close to an hour, 45 minutes, whatever, uh, rambling on about one thing without someone to bounce off of and... I just think it would be very boring for you to listen to. I'm I'm surprised you even listened this long. I appreciate you listening even just for a news segment this week. You can always follow us on Facebook and YouTube. You can find us on Twitter at Talking Smack Pod. Please email us. Uh, this, uh, this podcast could be much more interesting if uh, we get some emails, asking questions, giving feedback. We can't really do much without some uh, listener interaction. You can email us at tsmackpod at gmail.com. You can also follow me at Josh underscore Scar, Scar is spelled S-K-A-A-R. And again, please find us, give us a like, share us on Facebook and YouTube. Thanks again for listening and sticking through the news segment this week. Roll that theme music.